Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. This is Epiphany Sunday. Today, the Eastern Church focuses on what we will celebrate next week, which is the baptism of our Lord. Christ is revealed in divine glory there with the words of the Father and the descent of the Holy Spirit. Gloriously for us next week, we will get to experience Christ's baptism ourselves as we have some baptismal candidates who will enter that same baptism with Christ and receive his sonship to the Father and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But today for us Western Christians, we focus on the coming, as we just heard, of the Magi, the wise men from the East that you will find on the front of your bulletin. The gospel according to St. Matthew this morning records the account of the wise men for one very simple purpose. As we heard in the prophets, uh, in the prophets, um, Isaiah, and in the psalm, we know from this gospel that God is inviting all the nations of the world to come and worship him. This is God's mission, to draw all the nations of the earth into his divine life and worship. That is the good news that we celebrate in the epiphany of Christ to the nations this very morning. My wife and I served in two years, in, uh, for two years, in Turkey. We taught at a missionary kids' school. And one very formative experience that we had there was walking each day to the school. We regularly, almost daily, felt prompted by God's Spirit to pray for all the people in the apartment complexes among the 30 blocks that it took to walk to the school. These apartment complexes housed many thousands of people that had no knowledge or easy access to Christ in his church. This was a lower income part of Istanbul. So it was likely that they had never even met a Christian. Nevertheless, talked about Christian faith with any uh, member, with any follower of Jesus. Christ Church, let me tell you, that is actually not that different here in Midland. Is there a church in every square mile of this city? Yes. But according to the Pew Research Center, even in the great nation of Texas, right here, only, uh, sorry, 68% of people do not attend weekly worship. And 25% never attend worship. Do you see what God is doing this morning, church? God is drawing all the nations, including the people right around us here in our daily lives, to his worship in Jesus the Christ. The only question for us this morning is twofold. Will we come to this worship? And will we invite others to come with us? In the gospel that we heard, the wise men were drawn by God himself to his new king. How did they find him? Famously, as we heard, they followed a star. That is not just a cute detail on the front of the Christmas cards you just sent. It says something about the wise men, and it says something about God. Mainly this, 
that the wise men looked for the hand of God in the heavens. You see, us modern industrial folk have almost totally lost the wonder of the stars. In the ancient mind, the structures and patterns of the heaven and their revolutions revealed much about the structures and the patterns down here on earth. Indeed, if God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, as we uh, 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 express in our belief in the creed each Sunday, then it follows that something about the pattern up there ought to tell us and have parallels about the patterns down here. But of course, all of that is lost on us who can no longer even see the heavens due to our light pollution and our indoor air conditioning. Isn't it interesting that we have turned our attention to the things of earth, the light and warmth that we can produce, and this has darkened our ability to see the heavens and distance ourselves from the light and warmth from above. Something like this is what St. Paul says of us darkened Gentiles. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, the heavens and the earth, right? So that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Isn't that true of the secular society that we swim in and have so often drunk from? It has a deep suspicion of anything heavenly. It is not only distant from, but rejects the revelation of God, the epiphany of God in Jesus the Christ. They, and often enough we, have turned our hearts and minds solely to created things. And this consumes our love and attention, but as we all know, leaves us empty. Thankfully, church, this is not true of the wise men, and it need not be true of us. They saw God's eternal power and divine nature in the creation, just as God had intended. They saw the pattern that God had set in the very structure of the universe. Somehow they learned that the heavens themselves would proclaim the birth of God's king, who would also turn out to be the eternally begotten son of God. Church, the star means that the creator himself moved the very heavens to tell us what he was up to. He didn't leave us in our foolishness, our darkness, and our focus on the earth that he had made. He shouted out in the very sky over our head that the giver had shown up in the gift of creation. That he had just written himself into the story of the earth in the birth of the God-man, Jesus, the King. He had arrived to draw to himself us Gentiles who were far from him. And how did the wise men, the nations, respond? The same way he's calling us to respond today. They did two things. They came and they brought the nations with them. They came 
and they brought. They came. They found the one God that was drawing them, and they worshipped him. They offered to him in worship the very best of themselves. This is the real little drummer boy moment. They presented to God's king the very best of their culture, the very best gifts that they had to give, the very works of their hands. Isn't this a penultimate picture of every tribe, tongue, and nation bringing in their treasures to the heavenly city where God and the Lamb dwell? This is also a priestly moment. It was right and meet their duty and their joy to offer their very best to God. In the words of one church father, St. Peter Chrysologus, they gave to this king incense for God, gold for a king, and myrrh for the one who was to die. They came. The wise men came and found God in Bethlehem. But they also brought. They brought the nations with them. The wise men were likely representatives of their nations in the East. So in their very presence and authority, they brought the nations with them. The wise men, in fact, in this gospel represent all the nations. Again, this was revealed in the prophet Isaiah. We heard, nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawning. They shall bring frankincense, silver, and gold. Church, God is drawing all the nations to himself. Jesus will later say, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This is God's mission. This is what God is up to. This is the revelation, the mystery revealed, as St. Paul said. All peoples of the earth will be drawn, will be called, will be taken and blessed by their creator. If they respond, if they come, if they let go of their idolatry that we so tightly cling to, and instead fully give themselves to their creator, revealed in the God-man, Jesus, our Messiah. Again, the only question for us this morning is, will we respond like the wise men? Will we come and will we bring others with us? Come and bring. These are the two spiritual practices that I invite you to devote yourself to in this epiphany season. I invite you first to come and worship here, to meet Christ in word and sacrament in his church every Sunday of Epiphany between now and Ash Wednesday. And I invite you to bring those around you to worship with you. First, the key response to God's drawing us is simply to come and to be bodily present yourself in worship. The worship of the church has been called the source and summit of the Christian life. We come here to Christ's altar, to the holy mountain, the holiest moment of our week. And it is the summit of our Christian life where we bring all of ourselves and the work of our hands, our life and our labor to the Lord. This is all possible because Christ promised his bodily presence to be here in his church whenever we meet and whenever we ask. But it's not just the summit, it's also the source of the Christian life. Because we are then sent out to worship the Lord out in the world. 
we discern his presence here at the altar. This is necessary. But then we are sent to see what is he doing out in the world and to join him in it. That is what a kingdom of priests does. We bring him our everything. And then we are sent out to follow him in the world. And then we return back and invite, bring everyone with us here to come and worship him again. This is what the wise men did. They found the presence of God and they brought the nations with them. Did you hear in that line what the result was for them? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They joyed a great joy in the nice Hebrew idiom behind the text. And often enough, not always, I know, but often enough, when we show up, we receive this same blessing, don't we? Often enough, the worship of God leads us to the same result as the wise men. We come here and get to rejoice exceedingly with a great joy in the presence of our Lord. But as you come, church, I pray that you would not be like Jonah, who is only concerned about himself. If we actually believe that our greatest blessing is found in a right relationship with God and one another, if we believe that we may have, at least in part, exceedingly great joy in the presence of God, that we can receive again in part today in his church, then don't we want the people around us to be blessed in the same way as well? If the second commandment to love our neighbor is just as crucial as the first, as Jesus says, then isn't it the greatest act of love and blessing to invite others to come with you to worship our God. Church, it is right and meet, our duty and our joy, not only to give thanks to God, to give worship to God for drawing us into his presence, but also to invite others around us into this worship. Of course, there are often some prerequisites to inviting other people to worship with us, aren't there? One of them, of course, is that we actually love this person, right? <laughs> we actually have to want their blessing as God wants their blessing. We actually have to build trust and friendship, right? And we actually have to pray for them. God, nobody comes to God on their own. Actually, it is, as we've been saying, God who draws them. So we need that relationship. We need that prayer. And we actually need to bless them. They need to know in our words, in our deeds, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, that we actually love them. And we want God's blessing for them. We want their greatest good, even as God wants our greatest good. Who around you this week might God be drawing to himself? even if they don't know it? Who might you ask God to have a spiritual, a spiritual conversation with? Or to present you a good opportunity to bless that person in Jesus' name? Or to invite them to a church function? Again, who might God be calling you to love and bless in Jesus' name with no strings attached, just because God is generous to you and you want to be generous towards them? What would happen at Christchurch if each of us this week asked God to make clear one opportunity for us to bless someone and invite them into prayer and worship?
Well, thankfully, knowing many of you, I know that many of you are already practicing this. For instance, during Bob Bledsoe's funeral, God moved one of you to ask him to do this very thing. Having heard how Bob had spiritual conversations at work, one of you asked God to put someone in his path that week that he was supposed to talk to or bless in Jesus' name. Later, jokingly, this person told me that he kind of regretted making that prayer. Because little did he know that God would send him on a journey the next two weeks to help one of his employees in one of the worst moments of his life. This employee had a sibling who had been lost on the southern border. They had great despair, as everyone assumed the worst had happened. And one of you aided him through one of the worst moments of his life, trying to find his lost sibling. Through much personal effort and devoted prayer, Not just one of you, and not just the employee, but this person's whole company got to be a witness of what God was doing around them. The company gathered for prayer in a new way for the first time. The company united in this effort to help this employee in Jesus' name. Before this, that employee had reported never stepping into a church, but here he was in crisis at a church. Through one of you, God, in the end, miraculously blessed the employee by finding and sending his sibling back to him here in Midland. And all of this, the whole company got to celebrate what God had done at their annual Christmas party. What would happen at Christ Church if all of us this week asked God to make clear just one opportunity for us to bless someone and invite them into prayer and worship? Of course, I don't have time to tell all the stories that I've heard from you looking to bless others and invite them into prayer and worship. You are visiting and praying with one another in hospitals, in the hospital, and in your homes. One of you even invited a dying person into your home just as a blessing to them. You are inviting family family members to church. You are praying for, employ- praying for and with employees and clients. You are being a witness to clients by doing the right thing, not the easy thing. You are helping the children in your home and in our parish to know and love Jesus. You are confessing your sins to one another. You are coming up with plans to serve the underserved. You are working on the possibility of organizing even prayer walks in our neighborhoods. Christ Church. You are already on the faithful road to coming and to bringing. How much greater might our joy be in this epiphany season if all of us once again ask God to show us how those around us might receive the blessing of coming to worship our God and Savior, Jesus our King. This is what God is doing, church. This is his mission. And the only question is, will we come and will we bring so that, like the wise men, we might rejoice exceedingly with a great joy in the presence of Christ and fall down with all the nations of the earth and give him the very best that we have to offer. This is what we turn to do now. 
In the name of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.